talking. <laughs> I'm talking that I was just hustling like that, like probably annoying the hell out of <clears throat> I actually get emotional saying that, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, I don't know if you have any traditions like that at Vanderbilt. I know, but I'm so sick of being in this underdog story. So fast forward, they ended up being trash, and he got fired. Hello and welcome back to Redirected. My name is Andrew East and this is a show where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, really anybody who has had a significant pivot or change in life. And today is an episode that I'm really excited about. We sit down with fellow NFL player Will Compton and Will and I have played on some similar teams, though never at the same time. Um, But he was on the Redskins. I was on the Redskins. Uh, We first met when he was playing for the Titans, and he is currently on the Oakland Raiders. He plays linebacker and is a beast athlete. Um, But we first met because Will has an awesome reputation, and uh, I reached out to him. We were on his podcast. Sean and I were on his podcast called Bussin' with the Boys. Uh, You can go check out that episode. Uh, We had a blast. And today, Will's going to talk to us about his football career and then ultimately what led him to want to start doing something different, like start this podcast. And so you're really going to enjoy this one. Will is a top-notch dude, awesome guy. If you want to find out more about Will, the links to his socials and his podcast are down below. Enjoy this one with Will Conley. Hold on, what is the deal? Was Matt Neely there during our interview? Yeah. Yeah, you guys saw the Matt Neely stuff? I did. I don't know what happened to him. Tell him, fill me in. So Matt was sick for a few days. Yeah. And... uh he had called, it was like Tuesday, because we usually drop our YouTube on Tuesday. Yeah. He's like, hey, man, I didn't chop up a lot of content today, uh, make clips. He's like, I've been feeling sick. He thought he was just hungover from going hard on Sunday. And uh, I was like, yeah, man, you know, take your time, like, as long as everything's ready to go. Like, yeah, do what you got to do. And then on Wednesday, we were just all in our group chat and stuff, and he was, like, hitting mess on getting back to us. And then we were trying to get this key, we were trying to get the key to the bus from the tailgate from him so we could go into the bus and get something off the bus. And um, he just put, I was like, hey, Matt, we got to have you there Thursday morning to get the key to the bus. And all he put was okay. And um, the next day, didn't hear from him, shot him a question mark. I was like, hey, how bad is your sickness? Question mark, like, hey, how you feeling? What? Yeah. It went through and stuff. And then um, uh, one of our group chats went green. You know, everybody's got an iMessage. And then when it went green, I was like, I wonder who this is. So I texted Matt again. And I was like, uh, yo, what's going on? And it was green. And then I was like, okay. I went from like annoyed, like, okay, he's not responding back to me because usually he's responding all the time, and always on Twitter, to he wasn't, his phone was either dead or something, you know, something happened. So I DM'd his girlfriend and I was like, hey, Chelsea, I was like, have you heard from Matt? Like the squad hasn't heard from him. Nobody's talked to him and he's not on social media, which is rare. Like he's always trolling people. And um, she, I was DMing her and she was trying to get my number from other people saying it was important. She calls me and she's just, um, she's crying, she's bawling. And she just says, Matt passed away. Yeah. And he had, they had found him um, wrapped around his toilet, like from throwing up. What? Yeah. And he but died. What was he, he just sick died. with? They don't know yet. Autopsy Dang. takes like six weeks, six to eight weeks, they said. It was sudden, man. It was. It was brutal, but there was like a kind of a memorial tailgate. Yeah, we had a uh, we had a wake. We had like a celebration for him and stuff. That went awesome. There was like you know several hundred people there, and you know you did like this. We did like the shot. We did, we've done as much as we can to on it. Like it's 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 been shitty, but yeah. Um, went to a service. This service was like that gave. I feel like it gave a lot of people a lot of good. Everybody was telling stories. They kind of opened the floor up, and everybody was just telling you know stories about him and stuff, but. It was rough, man. You go from like, you talk to somebody every day, right? Like in our instance, it's like, it was our Lexi. Yeah. And then they just don't respond. And you're like, you're like, hey, because there's like, there's like this work friendship balance that's always like kind of there. Right, right, right. Like, hey, what's going on? Like, hey, you know, effing respond to me. And uh, then it goes green. And then they're just, you get that phone call. And you just don't know how to feel about it. It didn't hit me until like the next day. The next day, this day two was like when everything started to set in with a lot of people. And it was pretty hard. It, it was just tough. It's death is crazy, dude. He was young. Huh? Yeah, he was 30. Wow. He was 30, man. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, I've been using this quote like everywhere because it was one that I had my birthday party. Um, 
uh, my birthday party that I told you about, I was like, hey, you're more than welcome to come, yada, yada. But I was trying to like, people wanted me to give a speech and I was already, you know, I already had enough to where I couldn't really give a good speech. I was like, hey, I appreciate you all for coming. I was like, my beautiful girlfriend, Charo, put this on. Everybody kind of applauded. And then you know, the applause stopped and I was like, uh, thanks for coming again. And that was it. And Matt had texted me the next day. He was like, yo, epic speech. He's like, that's the one that's going to go. That's an all-timer right there. And I was like, dude, I called him right away. And I was like, I had something mustered up because I was just kind of searching stuff because I was wanting to figure out how to tell people that I had met recently um, and kind of not comparing them, but making them feel the same way about people who have been there, friendly, familiar faces that were there since I was young. I had some good buddies up uh, from Missouri. And um, I'm trying to, like, find something to say that, like, makes people that are new to me kind of, uh, resonate with the old people and uh, with my old friends. And it's like uh, the quote goes, you can meet somebody today that has better intentions for you than people you've known for a lifetime. Time means nothing and character does. And that was like, that was kind of like, you know, I was able to tell Matt that I actually get my bad, dude. <laughs> I actually get emotional saying that. You know, man, I didn't expect to go this deep right away. Um, I get emotional saying that because I wanted people that I had met recently to know that that's how I felt about them. Right. You meet some good people and it's like, how do you make people that you've just recently met feel like old friends? Right. Like there's you're trying to like constantly find a word to describe old friends that just met. And um you know, I was glad I got to at least tell Matt what I had in store. And, uh, you know, I got to say mm. that at a service and things like that. And, um, you know, that's how I feel like when I think of somebody like Matt about people I've met in Nashville. And, uh, you know, that was that's been what I've been using. But I apologize for tearing up right there, dude. No, you're all right, man. I think it's <laughs> I think it's warranted. Yeah, uh, I do have to say, man, your reputation and. This is only the second time we've hung out in person. But, yeah, yeah. But, People watch it like I'm, I'm sitting here teared up, dude. This is the second time we've met. But we've texted, and you do do a great job at, at making people feel like you're their friend. And I thought oh, I, I, felt, I that. thought that way. Like you got you invited Sean and I, my wife and I, to your birthday party, and it's like we went one time. Yeah. So anyway, I, well, dude, you're on the pod. And you mentioned game night, and then we have our we have our uh, mutual friends and like yeah. Hop and all them, and they're like you know. If, it's like if they're an extension of them, then we're obviously going to get along. So, and then yeah. you mentioned game night, so it's kind of your 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 end, dude. Yeah, I don't want you know. I think we probably wipe the floor with you on game night, but <laughs> no, okay. you never know, dude. Until it happens, bro. What games are we talking, dude? Uh, anything from you ever played like Settlers of Catan? No, I have not. It's got it. Yeah, that was a game of the decade, bro. You got to learn it if you don't know it. And then Werewolf. So you know, you know the game Mafia. You yeah, that game. Yeah. It's like a condensed version of that where everybody has like these different roles and you're trying to figure out who's the bad guy. Oh, um, that sounds fun. And dude. then like Liars Dice, we got like four or five go-tos. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I'm curious. G- grew up in Missouri, right? Is, bon it, is this where this where? Bon Terre, Missouri. Yeah, never heard of it. Yeah, not a lot of people have, man. B-O-N-N-E-T-E-R-R-E. It's French, shout bro. out. Means good earth, good people. Okay. And that's what that's that's what we represent, good old Bon Terre, bro. Because I was about to ask, you got this Midwestern warmth about you. I guess it maybe came from Bon Terre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably did. I mean, you know, there's some questionable. <laughs> I'm proud to be that I'm like, hey, I came out of Bon Terre, Missouri. Yeah. But you know, it's not, you know, a lot of people like to like to uh Give it a lot of uh, negative attention. Were you a stud athlete all through high school, all through Nebraska? How how did how did you end up at as a Cornhusker happen? Because that's a big deal. Come from Missouri, going to Nebraska. Can yeah. only imagine. Like you know, you're a stud. Yeah, uh, I was I was pretty good growing up in football. I thought I was going to be like the next Walter Payton. I wanted to be a running back. You know, everybody wants to be like an offensive guy scoring touchdowns, but. I found out pretty quickly in high school that I was going to ultimately play like linebacker, play defense. I will say, though, my very first offer was from Wake Forest as a wide receiver. I was all state wide receiver. Wow. Yes, bro. I'm talking. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> yes, bro. I'm talking. Stay, I'm talking. Scoring a lot of touchdowns on offense. Uh, but I knew like when they offered um, that I wanted to play defense. And uh, I kind of did a lot of my 
own recruiting because someone came to Bonterre and we were going through like a coaching change. And, um, you know, it's not like the coaches know how to get you recruited, especially like when you come from a place that doesn't, you know, that doesn't right. get recruited. So I'd be on rivals all the time. Um, I would email, I would email people that were the heads of like these football camps, the rival camps and, uh, the Nike camps and try to get an invite. And, uh, I even I did get an invite, ended up getting like I was constantly, you know, messaging them and trying to get like myself out there. It's so funny to look back on that. I was just hustling like that, like probably annoying the hell out of them. Uh, but I ended up getting uh, identified. I went to like Notre Dame camps all the time um, and I was at the scout camp, scout.com. And I had ran a four or five. And that's when somebody. Yeah. Beastie, dude. <laughs> and uh, somebody there, like a reporter, had messaged um, the linebacker coach from Nebraska. It's like, hey, I found I found a guy you'll like. And uh, once I got offered from like Illinois and then Nebraska, and then I started getting recruited heavily by a lot of Big 12 schools, a few Big 10. And then um, I want to say like Arkansas from the SEC came in the picture late. Uh, but I had always wanted to go to Notre Dame growing up and they had kind of cold shouldered me. I'm, I'm talking I went to their camp every year, their football camp every year, the three, four day camp too. I wanted to get offered by them so bad. And, uh, they were like, you know, if one of their guys is the army game doesn't commit, then I would be a late offer. And that ended up happening. And then they wanted to try me out of fullback first. Um, and I was just kind of off Notre Dame at that point. I had grown up Catholic. My mom, she's a Catholic school principal. And so my teacher always come back with Notre Dame gear from a game every year. So I had wanted to go to Notre Dame, but um, I'm so a lot of in-state pressure and Nebraska was kind of going through a coaching change. I had committed to Callahan initially. Um, they ended up being trash and <laughs> he got fired mid season. Yeah. Um, I don't think coach Callahan will ever listen to this. <laughs> I apologize. It just is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but, um, he got fired and I knew I wasn't going to go to Nebraska anymore, even though I was committed there. Um, I was looking at Notre Dame, or not Notre Dame, um, Mizzou and Illinois heavy at the time. They recruited me hard. And then Bo had called me. I went on my officials in Nebraska. Bo had called me the week before my recruiting visit or my recruiting announcement, whatever. And uh, he's like, hey, can I do one more thing for you before you make your decision? And I was like, kind of like a courtesy gesture, like, yeah, sure. Like, what is he going to do anyway? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, I want to fly my staff out there to you and watch the NFC championship, the championship game this weekend. Sick. And I was like, I didn't think it was sick at the time. I was like, oh man, you got to do another like in-home visit. Like I was kind of over recruiting. And uh, I was like, yeah, that's fine with me. Like, you know, yada, yada, we get to the night and we have just an awesome night with all the assistant coaches because the head coach can come at the time. Like the linebacker coach had came and all the Nebraska fans remember coach Mike Eckler. He had gotten a tattoo, a temporary tattoo with like my name on it, the black shirts logo. And he had a tattoo and we had a great night. And then after they left, I was like, this is where I want to go. And that's kind of how I made my decision to go to Nebraska. And, um, so I had my years in Nebraska being a black shirt, dude, those were, that's probably one of the better decisions I've ever made is going. I don't know what a black shirt is. Defense. So at the very, the very root of the Nebraska black shirts is they had these practice jerseys where they had ran out and they had, and the defense needed like a different color. So somebody had went out and got these black jerseys from like a local store and the defense are wearing these black jerseys and the defense was performing well. And they, you know, ultimately gave themselves the name black shirts. So if you're a starter on defense, you're a black shirt where you get to throw the bones, you know, get the pick out in the stadium. Like that's how you knew like you were a black shirt. Yeah. You make a play on defense, you're throwing the bones, dude. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, I don't know if you have any traditions like that at Vanderbilt. Uh, I never threw the bones. Yeah, I yeah, never yeah. Threw the bones, it's just so. what anchor down. That's right. Just kind of throw it up. Yeah. And what maybe, is it? Maybe. Yeah, you, you got it's it. Just yeah. there, right there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You haven't learned that yet. I see people doing it, but you guys were, dude. Speaking of Vandy and speaking of Missouri, how about the boys, dude? I was hype. I texted Dob. I was like. Yo, let's can go. Do you yeah. are we allowed to curse on this? Yeah, go for it, man. Just, just yeah. myself. <laughs> he's like, yo, let's you can go, man. And he's like, yo, huge win. I was like, I know you didn't expect to win that one because y'all had got beat by UNLV 34 to 10. You don't have to remind me, dude. I know. Why are you reminding me? But it's me? like, oh, but they they did huge upset for the boys, man. That's right. Anchor yeah. down. 
Well, yeah, we kind of shared a weight coach, Comp and I did. Uh, his Nebraska weight coach ultimately ended up at Vanderbilt, which is where I went to school. Uh, what did you study at Nebraska? Business. Business. Yeah, yeah. General. Just business administration. <laughs> when I was going on just my visits, business. yeah, it's just business. <laughs> when I was going on my uh, visits, I would ask coaches what they would recommend because I wanted to be a coach when I got done playing football. And um, they just recommended business because of the organizational factor and stuff. So I just did business. So you get done, sign with the Redskins as an undrafted free agent. I, w- I was just reading your tweet that you have pinned about your goals. That you're oh, yeah, back on. yeah. Uh, 2004, what was it, 2013? 2013. Yeah. Um, you didn't think you were going to make it, really. You said you just your job was to deliver <laughs> coffee and inject humor. Yes, dude. Um, yeah, so I was undrafted. Just a gritty old, good old white boy, dude. Just undrafted. <laughs> um, went to the Redskins, and you realize very quickly that uh, no, none of the coaches know you like your college coaches do. Yeah. Because they all tell you you just got to get into a camp. Just get into a camp. And you'll you'll be good from there, basically. Not you'll be good, like you'll make the team, but like everyone's gonna know who you are. Like all these these teams, they do all their background research on you, yada yada yada. We find out really quickly that I was on the bottom of every depth chart. You know, going in, especially on teams, you're at the bottom of every depth chart. Um, as a backer, I was like the number. There were seven of us, and I was number seven. And um, I remember going out of OTAs, thinking like, Yo, this is an extreme long shot that I'm even going to make this team. And I had started working with uh, Ben Newman. He's the one who actually sat me down and I wrote that kind of stuff out. And um, I would always say like, there's 31 other teams out there and he would just knew it. He just knew in his mind, like he's got to get me thinking that just focus on what's in front of you. You know, that's when I started understanding goal setting, like law of attraction type stuff, like just focusing on what you want. And, focusing all your energy and effort and process on getting the, attaining those things. And uh, he was like, what if you started saying I am a linebacker with the Washington Redskins? And I felt like, you know, weird saying that. Cause I'm, I'm still thinking in the back of my mind subconsciously that I'm not going to make this team, but I'm like, yeah, okay. I'll start doing that. And you know, we start doing mental training, this, that, the other, well, we get into training camp and day one of training camp, Kenyon Robinson, the starter at the time tears his peck. So I go from like the seventh backer, there's only three teams rotating, three groups, to now I'm in the group, third group. I would just get like two reps a day. But day one, Keenan tears his peck. So I get to rotate in with the third group. And um, I'm learning the playbook down. I'm picking up stuff fairly easy, fairly well. And I knew like my edge was um, my smarts, my IQ, all that kind of stuff. All those intangibles that you hear about, you know. Our, our types of crew people. <laughs> um, and so I'm thinking, if I'm going to make this team, I got to basically game plan. I got to basically game plan our offense. So in the offseason, I would break down our offense's film from OTAs and kind of, you know, go by personnel, go by formations, what plays they run out of that formation, because that's likely what I'm going to see in training camp, because we're just trying to get better at being our, you know, being the Redskins. And so I would study the playbook and I would study our own film. And so that was kind of my edge. Like every day going to the practice, I was like game prepared for like if we were to play any other team, like on the, you know, on the weekend, like if you're playing the Eagles or whatever, I game plan that way against our own offense. And once I got in with the third group, you know, um, no Emmys, no mental errors. I'm playing well. And that same first week, an undrafted guy who was ahead of me, Jeremy Kimbrough, he was working with the twos now since Keenan went down. And he heard, uh, tweaked his hamstring. So he goes down and then I get to move up with the twos and play with the twos within like a five day span. And, uh, I remember my second or third day running with the twos. I had messed up my hamstring playing, doing one-on-ones with the running backs. And, uh, I remember being in my hotel room and I was like, you know, if you tell a trainer, they'll either cut you, they'll send you packing. You know, the drill, like you're, you know, he is who he thought he was. Like, get him out. It's just an undrafted guy. Get somebody else in here. And I remember there's this one trainer I could confide in. It was Elliot, Elliot Germine. German, German, Good how do you say it? Yeah, Elliot. You know Elliot, Good dude. dude. Dr. Evil. I ended up calling him Dr. Evil. Um, but I would tell him on the side about my hamstring. And I was like, please don't tell Shanahan, don't tell anybody. And just help me pretty much. I put in quote, like, duct tape my hamstring to where we can do whatever I can to, like, be out there and practice. 
And, uh, you know, he's needling. He's doing as much as he can for me. And, you know, I'm sure he, in his mind, it's like this undrafted guy. Like, you know, I'll do what I can. He seems like a good dude. Um, and I'm able to practice the next day. I remember my mental coach, he flew in. Fortunately, he flew in that day that I was injured. He's like, can you go? And I'm like, I have to try. Like, I like, I need to or else I'll be gone. So that next day we practice and I have two interceptions and another PBU that that in my mind was a pivotal point redirected, <laughs> like a pivotal point in my career, like looking in the NFL, like what was a pivotal moment for me? And that's a moment I always think to because I like battled through that. And when I had those interceptions, Shanahan took notice. I like picked off RG once, picked off Kirk and then dropped another one that I should have had and made a lot of noise that day. And Shanahan had called Shanahan had like pulled me to the side before a game. Like, Hey, you know, I see you out there. Like you're like Mr. Interception or he gave me some little nickname, but I remember thinking like, Oh my gosh, like Super Bowl winning coach Shanahan is like, knows who I am. And it allowed me to play with the, the twos in our preseason game against the Titans. And I got to basically play with the twos all throughout training camp. I wasn't very good at special teams, but I had led our team in tackles on defense throughout all preseason. And, um, that's kind of I got cut and got put on practice squad. And the knock on me was that I wasn't I didn't play special teams in college and I wasn't very good at teams at the time. And so they just kind of put me on the shelf and I was on peace squad all year long. I got active my last game week 17. I was like, that's like another little claim to fame is I was London Fletcher's backup for his last game he ever played. Um, wow. But, yeah, that's how I kind of got on the team. And then the next year, yeah, I make the team outright. So this is what's always I think been my hang up with the NFL is like the focus on what's in front of you concept. Yeah. Which I think it's so good. And in, in the NFL, I've done, I've, I did a terrible job with it Yeah, because I don't know. I, my loyalty and like focus, that focus that I had was always kind of tied to the loyalty that I had to the team and the team had to me. Mm, and then when, yeah. I, when I got cut from the chiefs, I was like, F it, man, everybody's on their own. Like I'm not, I, I, I am now in this pool of NFL players and I don't care what team I'm on. Like, hopefully it works out at the end. Of, you know what I'm saying? Like I never said I'm yeah. a Washington Redskins long snapper. It Correct. was always like, after I got cut from the Chiefs that first time, I was just like, I'm just going to do me. That's what it is. You know yeah, 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 yeah. And it's not, I'm not saying that's the right mentality. I'm saying that's kind of how I coped. Yeah. Well, you know, fortunately on my end, I didn't get that kind of, like bitter feeling. Cause it is, it's a little bit of a bitter feeling yeah. of the business side of everything. Um, until, um, my free agency kind of happened with them. Like when they kind of replaced me and when I didn't feel like I should have been replaced at the time. And you just have this different outlook of what, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the logo and who you are as a player and what you yeah. start to realize, like what the game really is, even though vets would tell you about it. I mean, I was there for five years and I, enjoyed everybody. I had relationships yeah. with everybody. So you just always thought that's where you would always be. But um, I think like Newman, Ben Newman is his name. When he would like sit down and talk with me, it's like seeing that I was giving myself an out thinking like, okay, I can focus on other teams. Like thinking that's I'm not going to put everything into this one just because I know anything can happen. He's like, no, like I, what would happen to you if you just focus on this? If it doesn't work out, then you go back to the drawing board. But like, you need to train your mind to this is your job. Like this is the job you're going for. Don't think of everybody else. Cause if you think of everybody else, you're going to start giving yourself a, a reason to kind of like be nervous, I guess, you know what I mean? Not allow yeah. yourself to be vulnerable enough to say, yo, I'm a starting linebacker with the Washington Redskins. Cause I don't want nobody else to hear that. Cause I yeah. want to be like, Hey kid, like, no, you're not. You're right, right. Cause then you kind of feel like, you know, dumb after that. Right. But I see what you mean. Cause when that happened for me, like I kind of feel the same way. Now I have that same outlook. Like, Hey, I tell any young guy, like, you know, there is, there's every team out there, but I do think whatever you're doing, if that is truly your goal, like it's making that team, then you need to just be, that just needs to be your focus and whatever process is to attain, you know, kind of that goal. But I feel you, dude, whenever yeah. you get kind of done in a way you don't agree with, that's where. But it, no, but it was like, it's not like I'm bitter at the chiefs. It was just like, it flipped the switch where I was like, Oh, I'm I'm always gonna have a plan B now, and so like so this this oh burn, so it, this it was like a learning yeah I don't know yeah it was a, it's been a learning process I've, yeah I've been cut a couple more times than than you have but um, I'm curious so you spent five years in DC 
And this is what I learned from what that story just told is really good story. I think a lot of good learning points. One, you like didn't get down or discouraged. You were like, hey, I'm going to provide value where I can of I'm going to deliver the coffee. I'm going to add humor. I'm going to game plan. I'm going to be like the, the seventh out of seventh linebacker. And like, I'm sure you're, there's points of discouragement, but like you kept showing up and it didn't, I got to this kind of like depressed state where I was like, oh, I'm not freaking good. I don't belong here, but you kept at it. So that was the first thing. Second thing you treated people really well. This Elliot guy, I know Elliot, I don't know why I said it like that. This Elliot this guy. Elliot guy. <laughs> Shout uh, out Elliot, dude. But like he took care of you because you were nice to him. And anyway, that ultimately allowed you to practice and change the game. And then you also, as you said, you were prepared for that opportunity when it came so that you were out there getting picks because you knew the offense better than anybody else out there because you were putting in the extra time to game plan. So I think that's a really good story. Yeah, um, it is. Like, there is discouragement. Like, you know, you're like sitting in I Like, I would be a guy who would watch old film at the highlights at Nebraska and think like, yo, was I, am I, was I as good as I thought I was or am I as good as I'm thinking I am and I'm just <laughs> yeah. not? You know what I mean? Like, you have yeah. all these self-conversations with yourself it's like those conversations you're having with yourself at those times of like discouragement where you're kind of in your own struggle per se like people don't really understand what you are necessarily going through and it really is when it comes down to it when things are hard all that you honestly have is your own brain that's that you're going to talk to it's your own stuff that you're talking to like you know your best friends your girl like people are going to have words of encouragement for you but ultimately like when stuff's hard and you are discouraged nothing it the only person you're going to really listen to is yourself whether you take in anybody's advice yeah. it's still going through your filter and um for me like when i would be discouraged i just think like it's way easier said than done but the whole control what you can control people try to throw that cliche at yeah. you but i would try to find like um how can how am i going to be able to make the most of this because say i'm not as good as i think i am or say i'm going to continue to go on and maybe not play again after this year. Like, how can I still have some positivity in my immediate impact or life right now, whether or not this is going to be my only year I play in the NFL. And it was like having relationships with guys and talking business stuff, side, side hustles, um, you know, getting the whole coffee thing. Like I was just, you're the rookie. So you got to like do stuff for these guys and just kind of having fun in those moments outside of, the coaching and the the parts that are actually hard. And um, I feel like those are things that I try to lean on, try to do when times are hard. Like when I was going through my transition of not playing when I wasn't a starter at the Redskins anymore, you know, what could I do to at least enjoy my daily routine? Cause I was going to be in it regardless. And it's up to me whether I'm going to have fun or not about it. Um, so I would like over swag myself. KO would always tell me KO is my linebacker coach in Nebraska. You know, KO, you probably, yeah, yeah, you know, KO or know of him. Yeah. Um, and KO was like, I always knew like when you were, uh, I always knew when something was going on in your head or like you were protesting, it was like your way of protesting is you would come out and have like extra, just ridiculous stuff. Like I'd have like four towels on my waist <laughs> or something and just kind of look, as ridiculous as I could and just be loud and have fun and be obnoxious and stuff like that. Um, so that's something I always try and pride myself in is like when things are hard like that, like it's, it's only going to be you that get yourself out of stuff ultimately. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by native at native. They create safe, simple and effective products that people use in the bathroom every day. Native creates products with trusted ingredients and trusted performance. And if you're not convinced, check out the over 9,000 five-star reviews from their online customers. Native products are formulated without aluminum, parabens, and talc, and they're filled with ingredients found in nature such as coconut oil and shea butter. Native products are never tested on animals, and they even offer free shipping and returns. Making the switch to an aluminum-free deodorant does not mean having to sacrifice on product performance. Every morning, I start my day off with an hour and a half workout, break a strong sweat, and Native has risen to the occasion, and I couldn't be more impressed. Native's formula contains simple ingredients that you can understand so you know everything that's in the deodorant. And Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women, plus they release new limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. They also offer an unscented formula and baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivities. They have coconut and vanilla scents, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and eucalyptus and mint, which is my personal favorite. 
For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code EAST during checkout. Again, for 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code EAST during checkout. You ended your time with the Redskins, went on to play with the Titans last year. We played against each other. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. One of my three games that I played. <laughs> um, Got that then, credit of the year, though. That's right. You, uh, you started a podcast at... Was that this spring that it started? Yeah. Bussin' with the boys. Shout That's out right. Bussin' with the boys, man. Go Check subscribe, like, five stars, whatever you got to do. Man. Sean and I did an interview. You could start there. It was fun. We told some stories we've never told before. Really? So, yeah, I thought you did a good job interviewing. It was good. Well, so dude, go I, check it out. Bussin' with the boys. You can find it anywhere, including YouTube. There um, we go. Why did you want to start it? So podcasting, again, is something that would uh, – I always loved podcasting, Listen to all of them. Back in the day, it was Joe Rogan. Tim Ferriss, uh, Ben Greenfield, anything performance-based because at the time I'm obsessed with ball. I'm obsessed with how can I find any percentage to be better um, because I had to maximize my ability somehow. I was obsessed with doing that, so I'm always listening to podcasts. And uh, then it became like Chris D'Elia, still Joe Rogan. I've always loved Joe Rogan. And um, Fighter and the Kid, uh, King and the Sting now. I've just always loved podcasting. And back then when I was on the skins, I was like, man, I should have a podcast. Like I wanted to do a podcast because I love having conversations with people about like their journey or stuff that they know that I necessarily don't know and just kind of learn from having this conversation. And it just happens to be on a podcast. And so I come here to the Titans and I actually start I actually start putting pen to paper on having a podcast. It was when I was leaving the Redskins. I finally wrote down be one of the first NFL players to have a podcast while playing and all slash be for one of the first coaches to do the same thing. Cause in my mind, I was still going to be a coach. I come to Tennessee and I signed a contract that doesn't say starter, but the chances are you're coming in and compete for a job. Like we want to bring you in and you're not just somebody that's going to fill a roster. Like you're going to have an opportunity here. And uh, then they draft Rashawn Evans in the first round. And I remember sitting in a bar in Germantown as I was with my boys. They were in town with me and we were watching the draft and they had traded up and they drafted Rashawn. And I remember sitting there and I was like, oh, I leaned back like this. And uh, Nick, Nick, one of my best friends, he passed me. He's like, ah, I feel you, man. Like, hey, this is just this is you, though. Like, this is what you know, this is kind of like how your story just is. I'm like, I know, but I'm so sick of being in this underdog story. So fast forward, you draft your first rounder, you got to play Rashawn, stud, stud athlete. Like there's no, there was never like hate on Rashawn. Like I love Rashawn, um, stud athlete, but the first rounder has got to play. No matter how well I play in training camp or, you know, how any of the competition goes, first rounder is going to play. So when I was being a depth guy, special teams player again, I kind of had that same discouraging conversation with myself for a while to where, you know, my boy Taylor and just being around my teammates was just like the the highlight of my days. We're just going out and practicing, you know, again, being having like whatever kind of swag I could put out there or be made fun of for swag or whatever it was and just kind of have fun every day around the facility. Pop jokes, do all that stuff, help Rashawn study and be ready to go. And um, I remember telling Taylor that, uh, you know, I think I'm going to do this podcast and Charo, my girlfriend, was like telling, like pushing me, hey, you should do it, you should do it, yada, yada. So I started vision boarding how to do the podcast. And then I was going in to do some radio show for uh, OTP, the Titans, um, whatever. I forget what OTP stands for, but their podcast, the Titans podcast. And um, I was on with like Keith Bullock and um, Amy and all of them. And I left there and Taylor had called and I was like, yo, I'm all in. I'm doing the pod. And he was like, hey, yo, I want to do it with you. Like, let's do it together. We should do it together. And it made me feel a lot better because I was like, yo, I got a boy, one of my boys doing it with me. I don't have to go at it alone right. like you do. It, I commend you for it. It's like, it's amazing. Um, but it makes you feel better. You're like, okay, I got somebody to do it with. January comes, our season ends. I'm getting it all set up. I'm meeting with producers. I meet with different folks to kind of outline what the podcast is going to look like. Um, writing stuff down. Okay, I want to be one of the most engaging podcasts out there. So kind of like uh, the way the fighter and the kid is. 
kind of like uh, all the snippets, the clips out there that Chris D'Elia puts out, that Joe Rogan puts out, that all these podcasts that I follow that put out, and they kind of just give information and give content and provide stuff for people to laugh at, people insightful stuff. I'm like, okay, I want it to look like that. I want cameras. I want it to be high video quality. I'm doing all these things. Taylor leaves and goes to train in L in California, goes to be a Cali boy for a few months. And I'm like, yo, you swear you are going to be all in on this. Cause if not, I'm going to go all in on it now in January. And he's like, yo, a hundred percent. Like I'm in I, okay, I'll wait on you. So we get to April. He comes back. We're going all in with cardboard films. Um, they're, they were kind of going to produce everything. And Taylor and I are like, yo, he's like, are you sure? Like, is this even going to be cool? Like, is the podcast, is it going to be anything? Like, are you sure about this? Will? I'm like, yeah, man, just give it a minute. Like, it'll be cool. I'm telling you, like all these conversations we have, like, it'll be cool. Trust me, trust me. And, um, we come upon a bus. We see a bus out back of the same building we're sitting in, uh, with cardboard films and the bus doesn't run or move. And it was for sale. And Taylor saw it. He was in love with it. He was all in about it. I was kind of like, uh, are we going to be able to get all this equipment on here? Like, is the vision that we're talking about going to be able to happen on this bus? Because it had the chairs, the uh, the seating and everything was still there. There's like wasp nest, high, like everything there. So we had to gut it, put money into it, turned it around into what you saw when you came on the bus. Looks good. Dude. Yeah, put furniture, like sound paneling, floors, walls, everything, and uh, decked it out. And we just started putting podcasts in the bank in like late April, early May. And we released our first one on like May 23rd. There were a couple that me and him tried doing on our own that were not good at all that we'll never release. But uh, yeah, we start going and we catch some traction. The Vrabel one hits for us. Delaney, everybody liked, everybody's going to click on the first one. Like, you know, all the fan base, you know, your Titans fan base is going to click on it and they're going to see if you're worth a shit at all at speaking on a mic or having any, any kind of quality conversation. Delaney one was a really good one. We had a really good sit down. It was a, a few people, man. It was like Delaney, Arthur Smith, Rich Froning. Um, and then I think we did like busting with all the boys or something like that. Those were kind of the four we had in the bank before we released one. You came out of the gate hard with that. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. And uh, Jalen Ramsey's went pretty viral. Yeah. Once Vrabel's hit and he was like, he would cut his, cut his piece off for a Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> right. It was like that kind of went viral. Barstool kind of grabbed some of our stuff. Then we, we DM'd our, not DM, but I think Taylor messaged Jalen. We got lucky and he came for that one. And we just kind of caught a lot of traction, dude. And it's been fun. It's been, it's been a blast. Like I love doing the podcast. Like I like this world I'm in. Like you were there the day that the Saints hit me up to come and I was going to fly out the next day to go try out, be a Saint. And uh, I was kind of hoping that football was prolonged like it was. So I could still do the podcast, like still interview you guys and stuff like that. So it's been a blast, man. We've had a we've had a lot of fun with it. We think there's a lot of good things on the horizon. So uh, it, I'll be, I'm interested to see where it'll be a year from now. Dude, you're you're preaching a lot of good life lessons. I don't know if you know that or not, but like you mentioning that you saw what Joe Rogan and Chris Delia were doing with their podcast, so you were like, "That's what I'm gonna do with mine." Like just modeling people who have been successful is super. I think it's super valuable lesson that makes. That fear of starting a new project, whether it's a podcast or YouTube channels, like whatever, it's like, I don't know how to do this. Well, model somebody who does not. Is that what you guys do? Is that what you did? That's, what, you were we putting did. Stuff together? That's what we did starting out. And I yeah. wish we would have done it more, honestly, because it took us like two and a half, three years to, to find our stride when really if we had just kind of done what you did and and wrote down exactly like, hey, I want it to look like this and then like done that research of this fits our lifestyle and what we're comfortable with and also what our goals are, you know what I'm yeah. saying? With the pie. So I wish we would have done it more. Yeah. Cause but. it's like, you know, you have Pat McAfee's out there. Yeah. And fortunately for the podcast. And it's like, anytime I'm thinking about doing anything like, yeah, like you said it, it's like success leaves clues. Yeah. And I'm not, no one, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm just trying to find the stuff that I've liked from other people that, okay, how can we make it our own? And exactly. just follow them and see them. Like, I literally, I just watch and see where, like, Brennan Schaub, Chris D'Elia, Pat McAfee, Joe Rogan, I just watch what they do. And I'm like, yo, how can we kind of mimic that? Yep. So when people say, yo, stop trying to be like this or so-and-so, and it's like, yeah, we'll probably be more mindful of that. But those are the people who inspired and influenced, the, ultimately, this to happen. So 
Yeah. Um, that, that is, that's, that's what I try and do. I just try to model what, what yeah. else is out there. And the second thing is you just asked, you were like, Hey, you were a little intimidated to do it by yourself. It sounded like, so you, yeah. you asked Taylor Lewan to join you with it. And then you also asked people to be on your show, like Jalen Ransby and all that sudden, all that contributes to the success that you guys are having now. So I feel like that's one thing, fortunately that I, I don't have a problem with is like, Sean doesn't like asking I was like, hey, what, what would you think if I had this person on the show? She's like, well, are you gonna ask? You're gonna ask them to interview them? I was like, yeah. How else the heck am I gonna interview them? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I know, dude. And that I, I'm like the same way. I get a little like, I just get nervous. Like I just have like I have a little yeah. anxiety to me to where I like I'm like nervous to be vulnerable enough to go out and stick my neck out and do something that's like uncomfortable. Yeah. But it's like you know you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. It does seem like you you have that little gene to ask not be afraid to be kind of shameless and ask but that's how stuff gets done dude it's probably shamelessness or recklessness one of the two uh how'd you go from wanting to coach and your identity on that goal sheet being i am a washington redskins linebacker talk me through the evolution to where you are now because i think that's changed as far as wanting to be a coach and from are you saying like your goals uh, have changed right my goals have changed i don't know if i want to coach as much anymore like i it's like you know I don't want to say I don't want to coach um, just because I feel like it's something I would get a lot out of. I would be good at it. And it was something I've always like wanted to kind of do. And um, you see the time those dudes put in, man. And it's crazy. I do. Especially if you want a family. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you like want a family and everything. And you want to be not saying the coaches aren't involved with their families, but I'm just saying the time you want to put into your family, it doesn't kind of align with the coaching uh, blueprint. And then finding kind of, uh, when I got injured, um, I sprained my Liz Frank in 17, my last year at the Skins. And I got put on IR. And I was just, you can only play video games so long <laughs> and that sort of thing. So I just started, you know, listening to pod- That's when I got turned on to Bigger Pockets podcast. Again, big podcaster. That's where I get a lot of my ideas and excitement. Uh, I started listening to Bigger Pockets podcast and they made it sound like, yo, anybody can get in this real estate world. And they're interviewing people that do it from all walks of life, whether you have a hundred million dollar portfolio to if you just started and you only have one house and how you got started about doing it. And they interviewed people that like, they walk you through all this stuff. So I started getting excited because I have like this business itch I always want to scratch. And, um, being able to have all that downtime allowed me to listen to podcasts, read some books and start to get well-versed in wanting to, you know, be in real estate. So again, I'm vision boarding, I'm writing stuff down, how I want to go about stuff, yada, yada, yada. And uh, I started to catch on with real estate. And then when I started to do that and I started to realize that football is I'm on my back nine, like I'm not going to play football forever. I knew I wasn't anyway, but I need to really start thinking about stuff. And if I had if podcasting was keeping me up at night, laying down and people were telling me to do it, I needed to get uncomfortable be vulnerable, stick my neck out and go after something that I obviously want since it keeps me up at night. And so that's when I started doing that. And then with this kind of, I guess, success with podcasting or just enjoyment out of podcasting has made me think, yo, I kind of want to maybe stay in this space or maybe make something happen out of this. And so that's kind of where I've transitioned from all football to like, you know, some variety with doing other things. I've just always enjoyed football growing up. So that's kind of why I was in that pathway to being a coach and do all this and that. But yeah, it's kind of at what, why everything's kind of changed. The outlook's kind of been a little different. And I just, I feel like I can't do this and coach at the same time, because as you know, we're pretty reckless on the podcast. Like I'm pretty <laughs> reckless. Like if I'm going to be a coach and pursue those, right. those kinds of jobs, like I'm sure that, they would probably not want me to do a podcast, but maybe they would. You never know. I, I am impressed with you and excited for you. It's not easy. I feel like the further you take a sport, the longer you do it, the harder it is to transition out of it. So like all these Jason Witten, I don't know. I don't know the guy personally, but the way it comes off to me is like he retires and then he's like, I don't know. I, I did this till I was 37. I don't know what to do. Yeah. So he retires for a year, comes back. Now I'm sure there's more to the story, but still it is hard to walk away from the sport. I think you having some, another passion that you're developing actively is freaking awesome. 
you know? Yeah. I think it's great. I, well, I mean, you can probably attest to this. Like, it's like you probably think in your mind, because you know how the transition period is, whether you play a lot and you played for years yeah. or you're bouncing around a lot. Like there's, I want to say last year when I had tore my hamstring, I was out for like four weeks and I wasn't playing. Right. I'm thinking to myself, side signed. Um, and we were talking about this last time. Like you can find, you can Google what our contracts and stuff and like that. Are. We were yeah, talking about that on yeah, the pod yeah. when I was trying to get Sean. I'm like, Hey, what's the number? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'd signed a one for two, right? And I knew that I wasn't loving football like I was anymore. And just kind of being the depth special team, like it wasn't it wasn't fulfilling what I was wanting out of the sport. And um, I was thinking, okay, if I objectively look at myself, um, I'm a depth special teams player. I was the which, my, by the way, you said you weren't good at special teams, and you became good at special teams. Yeah, awesome. yo, and I was hype about that, That's great. dude. I was so pumped about well that. Done. Yeah, thank you. Um, if I objectively look at myself, it's like, okay, my last year with the Skins had an awesome, uh, had an awesome couple, a few games I played in before I got injured. Um, fortunately, I wish I wouldn't have got injured because it would probably set me up for a better free agency, yada, yada, yada. But I end the year on IR. I go into the Titans and I play on a one-year deal, one for two, and I don't get the opportunity that I thought I was going to have because, you know, they drafted a first rounder. Um, so I played a full year as a special team backup guy. And for me in my like measurables, right? Like I come from an undrafted pedigree. I'm not a high round pedigree. So teams don't look like, oh, he just needs to be in a system. It's like, okay, he might be starting to fizzle out because I'm not playing on the field. I'm not able to show what I can still do at age 28, 29. And so I'm like, I'm going to go into this free agency. I'm probably going to be a one year minimum guy. Like that's just the way it is. And so... We looked at, um, okay, I'm probably going to try and not be in an OTAs. I'm just going to tell everybody no uh, for tryouts and this and that and the other. And I'm just going to try and, you know, make it to training camp and go toward the end of training camp and then get picked up and be on a roster for the year. And I will probably play my last year of football, possibly. The probability is high because, again, it's not I wasn't coming off a huge year. So you're going to be on a roster and be a depth player again, because that's just how people are seeing you, whether I am right, wrong and different. I was like, I will probably play my last year of football unless I have a, a Kenny Vaccaro type situation where if you don't know Kenny's story, he was on the he was a free agent all the way to the very end, just like me on the Saints. He came to the Titans late on a one year minimum deal uh, because uh, Jonathan Cyprian got injured and he played a full year as a starter went back in the free agency, got re-upped. So unless I have that situation where I'm going to play, be a starter again, it's probably my last year of football. So dealing with that, I think last year I would have those nights and conversations to where um, I start to get nervous because I'm like, yo, I'm really, this is, this is probably it. I'm getting to that point in my career. And I started to get nervous because it's like, I actually, I do need to start thinking about what I need to do. I've always prided myself on having plan B, C and working on side hustles and yeah. having conversations with people in the business world. It's like, it's just becoming more of a reality. And you start to get nervous about that transition because it's like, yo, you know, and it sounds stupid, dude, but the clout you have is going to go away. Yep. And that bothered me. What, you know, whether again, right, wrong, and different, like that's just what was going through my mind. Like the attention you have, it's not going to be there anymore. And it's like, yeah, I can admit that I like some attention, but it's like I was coming to grips with that. And it was kind of like, you're like, yo, what am I going to do if I don't play football? Like, if I'm not going to be a football player anymore, like, you know, you're just not going to be held on this pedestal. And whether that sounds ridiculous or selfish to say, it's like that's the life we were in as football players. Like you've always kind of had stuff mapped out for you as a football as a football player. Like people like you, they and it's because you play in the NFL. It's like, yo, if I'm not going to have, if I'm not going to be that guy again, like I need to start to work on my transition or I, I like knew in my mind or I'm probably going to be a little depressed that I'm not playing football anymore. It's not who I am. Like, that's what I identified with being, whether I wanted to say it or not, or say the whole cliche of football, something I do, it's not who I am. I wanted to preach that message, but I didn't necessarily, I still was like, I loved, I loved my life that I had. And I just want to understand the game differently than everybody else. Yeah. I just prided myself on that stuff. And I love being one of those just grinders that 
was always ready to train and be in the process at all times and have fun with it. So when I look at, okay, what do I like that, that isn't football? It's like, uh, I like sharing information. Like I like speaking to kids and youth. And when people have me to speak, I like speaking and kind of talking about my journey and process and people, when they get something out of it and can kind of resonate and relate it to their life. Okay. I get something out of that. I like making people laugh, like on social media. Like I, I noticed that I enjoyed doing that. So for me, it was like, okay, well, find, find something around that, that you like to do. That's that immediate. And, um, I, I noticed that I am just enjoy podcasting every day. So it's like, why not find something that, okay, I can podcast. I can have all these conversations that I enjoy having about process, about journey, about humor. I can have that on a podcast. I can, if I'm like making people laugh on social media, how can I utilize this platform to uh, educate, bring people behind the scenes and access us and uh, make them laugh at the same time. I can do that through podcasting and being on social media. And so that's just how stuff started to transpire for me. I, I try to use that. It's like, I was super nervous to kind of put yourself out there because you're, they're knowing everything about you or they know what you say. They know how you think. They know kind of what you believe, whether or not you want to go back and erase what you said and be like, listen, I didn't mean it like that. Like you're putting yourself out there to see, are people going to accept what you are? Yeah. Or are they going to be like, yo, you're, you're trash at this. And then you're going to like, you know, take an L kind of get out of that space. But you're super nervous, but that's what you got to do. You got to spend time with yourself. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, the, the platform of the NFL has talked about a lot within and outside of football of like, Oh, this is such a once in a lifetime opportunity. And like a lot of people would die to me in this position. And like, you know, it, it is a great opportunity, but yeah. what people don't do. And I think is important. I'm going to pull out a Taylor Swift reference here. Love it. Is like, they don't, they don't convert that platform into anything that can, continue to build their platform after they leave the NFL, which is the platform. So like Taylor Swift, I feel like is a genius because she started in country music and then she was like, okay, that runway probably only goes so far. So then she turned to pop and now whatever the heck she is, you know what I'm saying? Like she has continued to evolve herself and use her previous position as country music star to build her current position. That makes sense. So you use just like that, your current, your previous position of NFL player to now converting that into podcaster and doing all these great things. I do want to say one thing. Um, I saw a comment on YouTube on Sean and I's video. Someone said, um, no Taylor Lewan because he wasn't a part of the interview. He's like, Taylor Lewan's not in the interview. I don't want to listen to it. It was the comment. And oh, that was the comment? I, 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 I no, no, no. Seen him. Well, I was, uh, I was thinking about that and I feel like we might be in similar situations because you have your partner, Taylor Lewan. Yeah, I yeah, have yeah. Sean. That's and my like, Sean Johnson. Exactly. So like when I started this podcast, it was no one's going to freaking like no one's going to care about this because Sean's not involved. But I would say and encourage you that like, dog, you can do it without Taylor Lewan. Taylor Lewan's great. It's a great show. But don't be discouraged if like Taylor's out after one season of it. Just like keep doing your thing. Just like you did with freaking showing up your first year in the Redskins, persevering, persevering, not being discouraged. You don't need this from me because you guys are already killing it with the show. But like whatever happens, you can crush it if you want. Just so, keep on keeping on. Yeah, yeah I do appreciate that. Yeah. Like I I notice that stuff and, uh, you know, it just is what it is. It like, is what yeah, it is. you know, what I mean, and you know what it is, yeah, too. Yep. Yeah. It just is. And that's how is, the Internet man. is, too. Yeah. That's just how the Internet is. Like the Internet ultimately will always be undefeated. Yeah. Just because there somebody will have something to say that'll that'll mess with you, even though it means absolutely nothing. So yeah. it, it just is what it is. Um, this has been fun. I'm curious. You're um, I think you're more of a cinema guy than you might let on to, because just based off that tweet that I read of your goals, it was like, you know, you're mixing the humor. I know you got the for the brands or for the boys brand yeah. and, the, and the busting with the boys. But like. I honestly think it's a really good mix. And that's probably why you have such a good reputation within the NFL of like, oh, this guy's a freaking real dude that has problems and is honest about them and tears up because he lost a buddy. Um, but he's also like has a lighthearted approach. And, you know, I feel like you do a good job of mixing reality with a lighthearted perspective. So hats off. But I'm curious, what are your quick fire three goals that you have now at this point in your life? Oh, that's solid. That's a solid question. Um, I would say 
and we're gonna we're gonna hit this. So I don't know. Before we started the podcast, like the goal for the podcast was have a podcast that has a million downloads. That was just like I just had that, and uh, fortunately, we're on the mark to shatter that. Um, so I kind of the the goals will revolve around my real estate portfolio, uh, podcasting, and a way to like a way to like build something else, whether that's through my football camp and I'll have to kind of sit and chew on it more to kind of see, okay, how much bigger care or how can we go in somewhere else? But they always revolve around um, areas that I'm involved in and an area that I haven't really been in that I'm going to have to venture out to. So um, for instance, when I first, when I was playing football, uh, Newman, we sat down, it was called this prize fighter day. And you had goals uh, in football, you had goals in a business goal and a community goal. And of course, I can knock out football goals all day long, but it's like, okay, a business goal. I'm just starting to learn about the stock market. I want to understand the basic stuff of, a st- of the stock market. So it was like, read two books, two introductory books to the stock market and make your first investments personally outside of somebody who might help you. And uh, so I had read like elements of investing and I started to get in the whole index, read stuff on like, you know, Warren Buffett and got uncomfortable, like, okay, dive into that. My community one was have five speaking engagements and give back to the community in that way and putting on a football camp. Terrified to speak, hate speaking. I'm actually, I'm on this interview right now and sweating. I sweat every interview I do. I just, that's just how I am. I'm like nervous to like, be out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I had spoken to five, uh, I did my five speaking engagements and the next year it's like, okay, what do I want out of football? What do I want out of community? What do I want out of business? So everyone always, every, all my goals kind of revolve around that. So if it's podcasting, that kind of switches podcasting with football, what is that going to look like for us going into 2020? And we're still diving into so many different things that we don't necessarily know what it's going to look like yet. We have a lot of fun stuff. We're kind of vision boarding, and uh, we just got to figure out the exact directions we want to go. Um, and then I'll kind of know what that That's goal good. looks like. And business involves around real estate and uh, growing, you know, kind of growing my portfolio there and learning about how to network and meet people and stay organized to make sure operations are running. Like um, when I got to Tennessee last year, it was um, buy two pieces of property in Nashville and have a short-term rental, have one of them be a short-term rental. And um, I accomplished that in February. Um, we bought a house here. We bought our house here, our townhouse here, and then also bought a short-term on Airbnb property. Like I checkmarked those goals and learned the process of short-term rentals and Airbnbs and really dove into what that world is like by listening to podcasts. So I don't really know what the next year sure. is going to look like, but they all they revolve around those things. And then community wise, it'll probably be something branched off from like what value I can add more to my than just a football camp back home, back in my hometown. So that's kind of how my goals kind of work. And then they they keep evolving probably every year. What is one quality? Maybe it's a piece of advice that you feel like your story has embodied that you could share with the audience. Dang, that's some heat right there. You didn't tell me about this one, Lexi. What? <laughs> uh, self-awareness. Love I would it. say self-awareness. I think self-awareness is a quality, is one of the most important qualities you can have. Because again, like at the end of the day, everything revolves around the conversation you have with your own self. And whether that's when things are going good when things are going really good and you start listening to everybody else and things that are outside of your own, what your own conversations were, um, you start to believe in that stuff. And that's when stuff starts to get corrected and a shift will happen or a, yeah, like you'll have something negative will happen. You won't understand why. Um, and then you'll, you'll ultimately, you'll get back to having the conversations with yourself because you got outside of that when you're extremely discouraged or struggling, right. Or you're trying to be very disciplined. It's all about, that self-awareness of how you're talking to yourself. Like I'm big in the self-talk. I'm big with, I'm big with always starting. Like we've talked, all my stories have revolved around like writing something out and like, okay, Will, what does that look like? This is what you want. How does that process look? And I write out what the process looks like. And then it's up to me to 
read these things, see them, remind myself every day and talk to myself in that way. Because obviously day one, Andrew East and Will Compton, when we're thinking about starting a podcast or working out again in the off season, we're extremely excited about what we put together on all these boards and everything else. But when something doesn't go our way and it's day 30, we're going to have a different conversation. And if you don't have that stuff laid, if I don't have that stuff laid out in front of me, what I wanted in the beginning, I start to lose sight of that. And I start to believe whatever I'm telling myself other than what I was saying on day one. Um, so I think like self-awareness is huge. I think you, you've got to be able to look at yourself objectively. Um, that example to me is like understanding how my NFL career is going to work, whether I think I'm good or not. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I believe that I'm really good and I can be a starter in the NFL, but I got to be able to look at it objectively. Like, Hey, how do these GMs think? How does this owner think? And if that's how they think, and if that's how the year is going to project and go, then what is it going to look like after that? Like, what is Will Compton going to do for himself to where I don't get in a hole? If I am in a hole, ultimately it comes down with how you talk to yourself. So it's just, it's being fully self-aware in these situations of struggle, discipline, success, it all comes down to how you talk to yourself. Love so that. I would say self-awareness. That's some gold right there. Will, thank you for joining the show. If you guys haven't, go check out Busting With The Boys wherever you consume content, YouTube, podcast. Uh, highly recommend it. And we would be remiss if we didn't give our boys Dustin Hopkins. Oh, Treyway, dude. Yeah. Treyway, as he's called, Tressway. I don't know if he wants to be called anyway. Treyway anymore. That dude's in prison now. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. yeah, shout out Tressway, yeah. Nick Sunberg, right. D Hop, Gabby, right. Bree. Uh, good people over there. Good, yeah, great people. Gosh dang it. What's Nick Sunberg's wife's name? Floor. Floor. Dude, Sorry, Floor. I apologize. Right there, I know, man. I know. Shout out to the squad, man. Thanks for the time. Bro. Yeah, thanks a lot, brother.